God is good, isn't he? God is good. Before I share from God's word, I want to say thank you for welcoming our family with open arms. We are so glad to be a part of the church family. In fact, that first Sunday that we came here, when we left, went out into the parking lot, I looked at my husband and I said, Rudy, we're home. We're home. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming us. God is good. God is good. Let me share some scripture with you. Um, we're going to get to what Warren read, but let me share from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. But before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. You know us. You know each one of us. You know what we need today. Come and minister to us, we pray. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For a number of years, I was privileged until COVID hit. For a number of years, I did Bible study at the Vilas home every Tuesday afternoon. It was a wonderful opportunity to gather together with other believers and to share around the word of God. One Tuesday afternoon, as I was getting ready to start Bible study, the staff brought in a lady named Carol. She had beautiful red hair not a hair out of place. She was immaculately dressed. She looked amazing. And you know, from time to time, and, and Lisa Defiat came to join us today, and Lisa used to work at the Violist home, so she oversaw all of that. But from time to time, they would have different people come in and share, different singing groups come in and share. And I thought, wow, they've got this lady in to share. She looked like Carol Burnett. She actually looked like Carol Burnett. She looked amazing. But then the truth came out. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know why she was there. She couldn't understand why she could no longer live in her home. She was confused. She was lost. But that day, and I remember it very well, that day we shared from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And as we shared, we talked about faith. 
we talk about the fact that no matter where we are, no matter what we are going through in life, God is with us. And the lessons of faith that we discussed that day gave Carol and the other residents the courage to see their lives and their situations in a new and a different light. They came to the realization that faith is a moment-by-moment walk with God. Moment-by-moment, day-after-day walk with God. And you know, there are times we would like to see the big picture. We would like to see what's going to happen next year, five years from now. But faith is a moment-by-moment walk with God. Let's look at some of these lessons from Hebrews. Faith is being certain of what we do not see and cannot see. By faith, we believe God created all that there is. By faith, we believe that God created the heavens and the earth. By faith, we believe. But faith is also trusting and putting our confidence in God even when we cannot see, even when we cannot understand. Because you know what? God's ways and God's plans don't always make sense to us. God's ways and God's plans don't always make sense to us. God doesn't always give us a road map or a GPS and say, I'm going to take you from here to there. You know, I grew up with a road map. We were taught in school not just how to read the road map, but how to fold the road map. (laughs) And, And a few years ago, Rudy and I went down to Cobleskill, New York for a district conference, and my son set us up with a GPS. The GPS got us there. We found the motel, no problem. We found the church, no problem. But when we went to come back from the church to the motel, we we followed the GPS, very faithfully followed the GPS. And it said, you have reached your destination. And Rudy and I looked at each other, and here we are. There's the motel way yonder. And then between us was a field full of brush and whatever. You can't always, you can't always trust the GPS. But you know what? God doesn't always give us clear directions. Sometimes he takes us moment by moment by moment. For Abraham, he gave him the challenge, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. He didn't say, I'm going to take you from here to there. He said, follow me, and I will show you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is trusting and believing even when we cannot see what God has planned. And we cannot always see and know. What do I have here? Nope. It's a half dollar. I know it's hard to see from back there, isn't it? It's a half dollar. And there's a story behind this. Back in 1999, God started me on a journey. In 1996, our son was born. In 1999, I went to the doctor for a routine checkup. 
which turned out to be anything but routine. And I got a doctor I had never seen before, but a doctor with very keen ears and very keen hearing. And he looked at me and he said, Judy, has anybody ever told you you have a heart murmur? No. He says, you have a heart murmur. It could have resulted from when your son was born, but I want to send you for some tests. So he sent me for an echocardiogram. Everything seemed to go fine until we walked in the door. We were living on the campgrounds, Wesleyan Bible Camp at the time. We walked in the door. The phone rang just about as soon as we walked in, in the door, and the nurse was crying. The nurse from the doctor's office, she said, I've got bad news for you. There's a problem with your heart, and we can't do anything about it here. You're going to have to go over to Burlington. And so I went to Burlington, saw a specialist, Dr. Edelman, and he recommended a transesophageal echocardiogram, and that's a mouthful. But basically, they put a camera down the throat to take pictures of the heart. And I'm going to be honest with you, they gave me medicine to knock me out, and it didn't completely knock me out. Because I could hear the doctors saying as they were looking at the scans, that doesn't look good. Look at there. That doesn't look good. Come to find out there was a problem with my heart, and I was going to need to have surgery. And we decided since it was late in the year, we decided to wait until after Christmas because by that time Brandon had turned three. We decided to wait till after Christmas. The surgery was postponed once because they had a, an emergency surgery they had to do. But you know what? Everything is in God's timetable. It wasn't in mine. My plan was not open heart surgery. In fact, we had prayed. We had been anointed with oil and prayed over and believed that God would work a miracle. When we got to the hospital for the surgery, Rudy said, well, we prayed for a miracle. She probably doesn't need the surgery. And the doctor listened to my heart. Yeah, she needs the surgery. But it wasn't until afterwards we found out what had happened. When after the surgery, the doctor came out and said to my husband, how did you get your wife here to the hospital? He said, well, I drove her. And the doctor said, let me rephrase that. How did you get her here alive? How did you get her here alive? When they opened up the heart to repair the hole in the heart, they found a hole the size of this half dollar. They said, she, you should never have gotten her here to the hospital alive. I had prayed for a miracle. I've seen God work miracles. I thought God would work a miracle. And he worked a miracle, but not the way I wanted. I was hoping not to have to undergo surgery. I had a little kid at home. But God worked a miracle. He kept me alive until I had the surgery. I'm sharing this with you to say this one truth. God doesn't always work in ways that we see. He doesn't always work in ways we want. But that does not mean he is not working. He is working for our good and for his glory. And let's never lose sight of that. God doesn't always do things the way we want. But we need to trust him step by step, moment by moment. Lesson two, without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is it that pleases God more than anything else? It's when we trust him, when we put our confidence in him. 
when we believe what we say, he says and we do it. I think of King Saul. I think of King Saul to make up for his lack of faith and, did, and obedience. He decided to offer a sacrifice to God. But God made it very clear to him, it's not your sacrifice I want. It's your obedience I want. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. God prefers faith and obedience. Lesson three, faith has to be accompanied by obedience. Hebrews 11:7 says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, and holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. A few weeks ago I was driving down the road with my radio on to K-Love, listening to the Christian music, and all of a sudden there was a noise that came across, and, and the words, this is a test. This is only a test. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. If this had been a real emer emergency, you would have been encouraged or, or challenged to stay tuned and pay attention and do what it said. You know, God could have saved Noah and his family without Noah having to build the ark. He could have. He could have picked them up and moved them and just destroyed the wicked people on the earth, but he didn't. He told Noah, go build that ark. He gave them all the instructions to build that ark. Did it make sense to Noah? It didn't make sense, but Noah did what God told him to do. And building that ark, Noah's faith was combined with obedience, but his faith and his obedience were also put to the test. I had a professor in college at United Wesleyan College, Dr. Edward Bean, that stated that faith that is not tested is no faith at all. Faith that is not tested is no faith at all. A number of years ago, I sat under the teaching of Jim Groves, he used to work for an insurance company. He taught Sunday school at the church we were attending. And he told the story, and I've shared this with some people, but he told the story that where they lived, they lived right on Point of Rock, right on the lake. They wanted to plant trees. They wanted to plant two trees. And they planted one tree away from the lake where it would be sheltered from the storms that came up the lake. But the only other place they could find for the other one was right out in the open where it would get the full brunt of the storm. And Jim asked us that question, which do you think of those two trees was the strongest and the healthiest? It was the one that got the brunt of the storm. It was the one that got the wind, that got the storms that came off, uh, off the lake. Sometimes tests are not a bad thing, are they? They're not a bad thing. They test us, but they also make us stronger, and they make our faith stronger. But let me also say here, you know what? You and I don't get to pick the test or choose the test that we have to go through. 
And I'm going to tell you something else. Sometimes those tests come one right after another, right after another, right after another. It's not just one test, it's a season of tests. Back in 2006, I think it was in June of 2006, we got word that my oldest niece, my parents' oldest granddaughter, 22 years old, was in the hospital dying. She had lupus. The doctors had given her medicine they shouldn't have given her with lupus. Her body just shut down. They tried to airlift her to Albany, to New York City, but to no avail. In June that year, Lori died, 22 years old, leaving behind a two-month-old baby. In July, my aunt passed away after fighting a courageous battle with cancer. In December, the phone rang. And I, I was assistant pastor. I had been pastoring for a long time, and I answered the phone. And the man's voice on the other end said, your mother's dead. And you know, as a pastor, I'm thinking, man, i got to help this poor man. He's got the wrong number. Until I realized it was my, my father. One year, one year, sometimes it's one storm, one problem, one tragedy right after another. God doesn't get our permission, does he? God doesn't get her, our permission, but he has plans that we can't always see. And our part is to just keep going by faith. Sometimes it's not hard, is it? But man, there are times it's hard. And when I was preparing my mother's funeral, preparing to work at that, I had also been called to do two weeks at Elizabeth Street Church which ended up being closer to two years. Everything came at one time. That's life, isn't it? But you know what? God is good and God is faithful. When we look at the whole picture, we would be absolutely overwhelmed at times, wouldn't we? But he calls us to walk by faith, step by step, moment by moment. Let's go back to Noah. Let's go back to Noah. Noah heard God's command. He, had, he was a man of God. He was a man of God, a man of faith, a righteous man, a man who loved God and seek to serve him. But Noah heard God's command. But Noah had a choice. He could obey or choose not to obey. Noah believed God and he chose to obey, even when it didn't make sense. And you know, we don't understand a couple of things here. In Noah's day, they had never seen rain. God had watered the earth from the bowels of the earth. They had never seen rain. They lived hundreds and hundreds of miles from the ocean, from a body of water that could accommodate that ark. And if he could get that ark built, how would he get the animals? How would he round up the animals? Wow. And Noah obeyed. He started building. And I have read that it took Noah 120 years, 120 long years to build that ark. I, I don't know. I've tried to verify that. It took him a long time to build that ark. But he built day after day, day after day, day after day. 
But I want to say something else here. What happened wasn't just about Noah. There were people watching him. And those people, they made fun of him. They taunted him. They taunted him. But guess what? As Noah built, he preached. He preached by his actions. He preached by his words. He warned them of the coming judgment. And once that ark was built, God told Noah to take his family to go into the ark. God, God brought the animals to that ark when everything was ready, when everybody was in there. God was the one who closed the door to the ark. And when the rains came, those who believed and had faith were safe in that ark. Those who did not heed that warning faced an awful watery judgment, but they had been warned. And I think in my own mind, you know what? God could have saved Noah and just wiped these off the face of the earth, but he didn't because he not only loved Noah, he loved these people and he wanted them to have a chance to hear the message, to hear the warning, so that by some odd chance they might repent and be saved. When that flood came, when that flood came, when that judgment came, they had nobody to blame but themselves because they did not heed. And when the rain finally ended, when the waters went down, it's interesting, when Noah came out of the ark, the first thing that he did was build an altar and praise God. Another lesson, faith has to be lifelong. As we look through the book of Hebrews, as we look through Hebrews 11, we see one thing. Hebrews 11, verses 13 through 16, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been looking, had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But they were looking for for something better. Hebrews 11, 39 and 40, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. These men and women of faith continued by faith till the day they died. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, the most beautiful, beautiful thing is the funeral of a saint, somebody who has walked with God all of their lives, and are finally receiving their reward. But these men and women of Hebrews 11 were only given a glimpse, only given a glimpse of the things to come. Some were promised the entrance into the promised land. They held on by faith. Some were given a glimpse of the Messiah, the deliverer to come. They didn't see it in their lifetime. They held on by faith. And that's beautiful, isn't it? They kept going by faith, regardless of what they had to go through, regardless of the trials, the struggles that they had to go through. They kept going by faith. They didn't receive what was promised, but they didn't give up. But we can't stop. 
with the end of Hebrews 11. Warren read for us Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, and 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I am thankful that we have the accounts from the Old Testament, from Hebrews 11, that remind us of these men and women of faith who held steady and stayed true to their faith. But they all point to something else, don't they? They all point us to Jesus Christ. You see, we have the testimonies of these. We have their witness. But we also are privileged to live in the day and age when we know about Jesus. Because it was Jesus who came to this earth as a baby, grew to be a man, and went to the cross and died on the cross for our sins and for our salvation. And we are challenged. Yes, remember those who have gone before, but fix your eyes where? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But we're also challenged here, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. I'm not Noah. You're not Noah. You're not Moses. You're not Abraham. You can't live the life that they lived. You cannot run the race they ran. You can only run the race that is marked out for you. I can only run the race that's marked out for me. You can only run the race that's marked out for you. And we are challenged to hold steady in our faith. We're challenged to persevere. And I'm going to tell you something. There are times it's easy to persevere. When things are going well, when things are going great, it's easy to keep going forward. But man, there are times when it's just one problem right after another. There are times when we grow so discouraged that we can barely crawl. But we keep going forward. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it's because of Jesus that we have new life. It's because of Jesus that we have not just a glimpse of what's ahead. We can see the reality of it because Jesus has promised us and has given us that gift of eternal life. We've covered a lot of territory this morning, a lot of territory. But the challenge here is hold to the faith. Let me ask you a question, a few questions this morning. How about you? How is your faith? Is your faith enough to sustain you as you go through the struggles of life? Are you trusting God even when you cannot see what he is doing? Are you trusting God? Are you obeying him even when what he has asked you to do does not make sense. Are you in the midst of a season of testing? Let me encourage you today to hold on to your faith, to keep looking up, to not lose heart, to not give up, but to remember 
this one thing, and this has stayed with me all week as I've been working on, but we have Jesus. We have Jesus. We have faith in God, but we have Jesus. Wow. And with his help, I know some of you are going through a lot. Some of you have shared your stories with me, but we have Jesus. We have Jesus. With his help and his grace, we can get through. We can overcome. Amen. We're going to close with prayer. They've told me there's no closing song today, and that's okay. Well, let's just close our eyes for a moment. Let's just close our eyes. As we close with prayer, is there anybody who would just with an upraised hand like to say, please pray for me. I see those hands. I see those hands. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for what you teach us. Thank you for what you have done for us. Lord, some of us are going through a season of testing. We cannot see what lies ahead. And some of us may not like the tests we've been asked to go through. But Lord, help us to hold to our faith, to obey as you lead us, to keep persevering, to keep going forward, and to remember that no matter what happens, we don't face life alone. We don't face the struggles and trials of life alone. We have Jesus. We have Jesus. And help us to go forth from here today rejoicing in that wonderful, wonderful truth. Now we ask that you would be with us as we go forth from here. Lord, continue to do your work in our hearts and on our lives. And may our lives be a testimony and a witness to those around us of your love and of your grace. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.